Hey, this is Jenna Cash, and you're listening to Inspo Podcast. There is nothing that I love more than great advice and figuring out how I can apply other people's steps to success to my life and now to your life. We're going to learn about business, money, growth, fails, and secrets to success. So kick off your shoes, grab a cup of coffee, whether you're on the road or at home, and let's be encouraged together while we learn. Jenna Cash here with Inspo Podcast. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you to everybody who has supported this podcast. Thank you to everybody who has shared this on your Instagram stories. Thank you to everybody who has told your friends about this podcast. It is fulfilling something that I didn't know needed fulfilling. And I'm so grateful from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And feel free to leave a five-star review, leave a written review, and if you didn't like this podcast, uh, don't don't leave a review. Just go ahead and give it a five-star because I made the effort. <laughs> um, but really, thank you. Thank you for your time. I know time is invaluable and you can't ever get it back, so every minute that you've listened to one of my episodes, thanks, man. This episode of Inspo Podcast was brought to you by SoCo Lashes. SoCo Lashes is the world's first eco-friendly eyelash extension company ever. They focus on biodegradable material, packaging, and shipment that doesn't compromise their product's quality. Head over to SoCoLashes.com if you'd like more information on their product, packaging, or education. Happy lashing! Hey guys, so today I actually got to sit down with Kimber Janes of Borbaletta Beauty and I am so excited for you guys to hear what she has to say. She gave me some really good advice. Sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. Um, And she's just so sweet. I just love talking to her and hearing what she has to say and I hope you guys feel the same way. Hi. Hey Kimber, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Is today a lot better than yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. I know. Yes. How about for you? Good. It's We actually had my daughter's first, well, it's actually her second, um, I guess they call it distance learning. And it was the first actual lesson last week was kind of like a tester. So this time we were doing, um, she had like her packet. Anyways, it was good. It was easy peasy. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I'm wondering when it's all going to go back to normal. Yeah. My how, how old is your daughter? Um, She just turned 18 months. Oh, so she's not even in preschool yet. You don't even have to worry about this. Yeah, not right now, but I who knows how long this is going to go on for. I know, isn't it? Isn't it the weirdest thing? Yeah. I, you guys are in California, right? Yeah, we're in California. Where are you guys at? Um, Salt Lake. Salt Lake. Oh, cool. Awesome. Wow. In what the, is part it, of California are you in? So we just relocated. We moved. We were in Sonoma County, uh-huh. um, which is what SoCo is for. Yeah. And we just moved to Northern California, uh, Shasta County. So we're in Shasta Lake. Okay. I've heard uh-huh. of that, but I'm not like, what's the closest city or by? 
um reading um we're i want to i think we're like 90 minutes from chico but don't quote me on that we just moved here i don't know the area well at all um, okay maybe yeah. like two hours from sacramento yeah okay yeah yeah cool it's nice. it's, a, it's a beautiful area i mean right now it's super hot so it's not like you can do a lot outdoors during the day but man when it's not hot it is so beautiful here there's hiking trails bike trails fishing swimming i mean and the the lake have you been to tahoe i um just driven through it i haven't actually like stayed or been okay well the tahoe water is so clear and so beautiful and that's how the water is here it's because it comes from the mountain it's like melted snow so it's oh, so clear and so beautiful anyways yeah it's beautiful here we're waiting for this weather to cool down a little bit but yeah what what about you guys what's the weather like over there um we're hot it's like uh oh it was I think in the hundreds yesterday yeah it's same. so hot but I yeah we get like one week out of the whole year that's like this and then after that it it mellows out a lot oh well that's good here it's like three months is like it's like Arizona heat and it's dry which I guess is better than humid <laughs> <laughs> no I that's how we are too though like it's not humid at all here we're right in the middle of the desert so I think it's pretty comparable to to where you guys are oh nice all right um so how's your day going what are you guys up to today I'm just catching up on emails that's usually what I do first thing um just you know start the day off with what's going on look at my calendars catch up on priority emails and um yeah just another busy day what what does a normal day look like for you um so typically sorry hold on I'm actually gonna shut this door because there's a little bit of background no problem so for me typically I like to get up as early as possible so 6 37 um I'll usually just get stuff ready for my daughter for the day. She has cystic fibrosis, so we have to do her enzymes for all of her feeding. So I usually do all that stuff. And then um, I don't like to look at my phone first thing. I really like to kind of start off with just a meditation morning exercise of deep breathing, five to ten minutes, thinking about um, just – high level in my life, what I'm grateful for. Sometimes I'll tap into things that are stressing me out so that I can make sure that I'm understanding why I'm stressed with those things. And anyway, so I like to do a little exercise like that. And then I, um, after, you know, Scotty's woken up and everything and I've had my cup of coffee, (laughs) (laughs) always, (laughs) um, then usually we'll go on a little walk um just especially in the summer we live right downtown so it's kind of nice we'll just walk around the neighborhood for a little bit and then when I get home that's when I'll dive in and start checking my emails and um get back to any pressing messages on my social and um you know my email and and then after that I'm usually in meetings from noon up until I'd say five or six o'clock every day. Sometimes I'll have a little, (laughs) it's crazy, but sometimes I'll have a little break uh, where I can, um, you know, dive into some social stuff or, or something. But usually I'm just uh, back to back meetings, whether it be education, marketing, um, sales, anything like that. 
And yeah, that's, that's kind of a typical day. I usually like to get a workout in at, at some point. I don't have a very scheduled workout schedule. So sometimes it's, if I have a break in between meetings, I'll do like a run or something. Um, but I try to do a, a really good workout every single day. I think that helps me a lot, just balance out mentally. So yeah, I've heard that. I, I'm not super. Um, I mean, I, I I like the way working out makes me feel, but I just have not made time for it in the past two years. And we just ordered a Peloton. We've joined the, the club, <laughs> so we're like super excited for that to come. Will you let me know how you like the Peloton? Because I have been wanting to try one, but I'm like, do I really want to commit that much to just cycling? So, well, you know what? My boyfriend is totally into cycling and it's way too hot to do it here. I think that I would more like the treadmill. So I think I'm going to order the treadmill too, because we have a gym room. Oh, um, nice. But I, I think I'm not going to love the bike. I think I'm going to like the treadmill more. Yeah. I feel like it's just more versatile, but totally. Yeah, I guess they have like um, programs where you can set where you can do easy, moderate, intermediate. And I think it takes you through these like big trails. So you go like it'll go uphill, downhill, pick up the pace and it kind of tells you what you need to do and it does it for you. So I think that that's pretty cool. Yeah. Forces you to do it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm my friend uh, just got a Peloton and I, she loves it. She's, she rented one and then she's been on it every single day and she's had a no many results. So. Okay. Like, uh, I don't know. I hope I, I love it. Try it. Yeah. yeah. I'll let you know. I mean, it, it comes, I think the middle of next month, they're like a month out, but I'll definitely let you know. I'm sure I'm going to love it because yeah. I don't leave in my house to work out. I like working out at home. So I think that that's going to be nice. Yeah. I'm definitely interested. Yeah. Um, okay. So what is something, why do you think that you've become so successful? Would you think it's seniority? Do you think it was just luck of the draw? Do you think it was that one person that helped you? Uh, I think that's so nice that you said so successful because I don't look at myself in that way. I think, uh, I'm very much someone like I, I like to take things day by day and just try to be better than I was yesterday. So I, I think Borboletta has been able to find some market. I've been able to create a voice in the industry because I'm very consistent with it. I, yeah, from day one of, of having Borboletta and knowing that this is what I wanted to do. I knew in my mind that failure was not an option. It didn't matter what, what was going to happen, what obstacle was going to come my way. Um, failure was no, no option for me. And I genuinely am obsessed with what I do. I live it, breathe it, sleep it. It's it's everything in my life to me outside of my family. So I I think if you really have a goal and a dream that you want to accomplish, no matter what it is, if it could be anything from losing a certain amount of weight or having a certain amount in your bank account or getting your business to a certain level you just have to be obsessed with what you're doing. It doesn't mean that every single day I wake up and I'm like singing and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the best day ever. But at the end of each day, I'm like, that was really fulfilling for me. And that was a really good day. Um, I got a lot of things done that I enjoyed doing and I'm working towards something that's really exciting for me. So I, I think for me, the the mental portion has definitely been there of just how much I love it and how consistent I've been with it every day. And I don't believe in 
in luck necessarily. I think certain things can align and happen. And if you're paying attention to them, um, your life can go in a lot of different directions. And I have had people in the past say, oh, you just got lucky. That's why Borboletta is what it is. But what they don't see are the early mornings, the late nights, the stressful moments, the blood, the sweat, and the tears that go into it. That's not luck. That's hard work and determination. So, um, you know, we only see a snippet of what happens in in someone's journey based off of their social media and really what they choose to share. Or even just people that have worked at Borboleta have even said, to me or to others, oh, Kim Kim just got really lucky with this whole thing. And at first that used to really hurt my feelings. And now I just, I don't look at it that way. And I just think maybe that's the way they see it. Uh, that's, that's something that they're choosing to believe. But I know what work I've put into this and it hasn't been luck. And I haven't had anything handed to me. I've, I've been very strategic in who I've worked with and I've failed several times, but I haven't let that get me down. And I've pivoted and I've tried new things. And I think that's the key to anyone growing a business that they want it to be sustainable and successful is you just can't give up. It's it's never going to be a cakewalk. It's never going to be easy. It, if someone did get lucky, I would love to talk to them and know exactly <laughs> what that means. But, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I, I just think that you're going to get a lot of really tough things thrown at you and you just have to have the ability to grow really thick skin and to to really teach yourself mentally how to eliminate the personal and the um, business you you know when you're running a business look at it from a business side not a personal side and you just have to be willing to go at it every single day and love what you do yeah do you do you you know that saying it's lonely at the top yeah remember just wanting to be, uh, I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, you're the top or not saying you're not at the top, but do you ever remember just praying or wishing or manifesting being where you are today and thinking how it would be and then now actually being there and seeing a shift in how people treat you or maybe losing friends along the way or saying like, you're just a different person now, which I mean, I'm nowhere near where you are, but I think I'm like, well, yeah, I am a different person. I'm much more mature. And I think that people take, when you put your business first, because your business, of course, your family first, but when you're putting your business above business relationships, people like to take that and put it in a negative light. And I would love advice how you mentally deal with that because that's been really, really hard. Um, so... That's a really good question. And I think that, you know, let me think about this really. I think there's a lot of different angles at this, but I think more than anything, it's really about you have to love what you're doing so much that everything else becomes non-negotiable to you. So it is lonely at the top. It is hard to trust people and and talk to people. And I've opened up to several people and and maybe that's burdened me. But um, I think that more than anything, you just have to be willing to say that you you will know that um, as as your business progresses and as you progress in this journey, that people will come and go, but your vision always needs to stay alive. 
And I think that's been one of the, the thing that has kept me going with, you know, things thrown at me or relationships that have fallen apart or things that I could have done better and, and hard learning lessons. I've always gone back to, I'm still on track for what I want out of this. And sometimes you have to choose more of the selfish road. That means that the person that you're becoming is going to cost you relationship and relationships and things. And um, that's okay. You have to be willing to lose those in order to get where you're going. And uh, it is true. It is, it does get lonely, you know, the more that you grow and, and the more that you experience the, the heartache and pain from business. But I can say that through all of that, I've, um, created some of my best relationships in my entire life. And, yeah. um, I've learned how to communicate differently with people and treat people differently. So I, I would say to, um, when you hear things like that, like, oh, it does get lonely at the top, or it's really hard to trust people. Um, you're going to get burned in, in business. When you hear things like that, don't let that scare you. Uh, look at that as you growth is uncomfortable. And uh, I've actually, like I said, I've, I've built some very, very strong relationships that I never would have had if I didn't go through some really hard things. So maybe switch your mental focus to instead of this is going to be so hard and so lonely, switch it to, I can't wait to see everything that I'm going to be learning. And I can't wait to see all the new people that are going to come into my life. And I'm open and excited for growth opportunities because with growth actually becomes, you know, we become better people. Yeah. Well, comfort is always comfortable, but growth really gets us where we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That is very well said. Thank you. And then, you know, like I was kind of thinking about, you know, in recent times and how it's interesting because all of these posts and all of these hashtags and all of these comments, we're all in this together. And it's interesting because when you take a step back and you look at our little lash community, it looks like everybody has each other's back and it's like we support each other. We're all in this together. And then you see you you take another step back and then you see the dark side of it. You see the side where those same people who are saying we're in this together, we're a team. We, you got this are the same people who call state board on other lash artists. <laughs> and it's just so wild because I've had state board call to me twice oh, and they, wow. they were super nice. They're like, I had said, well, I got, I got a, they, cause they called me and they're like, I was like, okay, what the heck? So when when the woman, when I answered, um, or rather I called her back. She was like, Oh no, honey, don't even worry about that. We're just taking a a poll and seeing who's working indoors. I mean, outdoors and who's not working. And so I was like, Oh, you weren't calling to talk about the, the notices. She's like, no, sweetheart, we're not calling about that. (laughs) Don't worry about that. Because I think that, I mean, imagine the thousands of calls that they get a day from people just being mean people. Like, yes. And I don't want to say it's women-based, but it really kind of is. Women tend to lead with envy. And then it's just so easy. There's such a fine line between, oh, my gosh, I love I love that vision. I want to I want I aspire to be like that. And then you cross that that very fine line to where it's like the envy. What is it? The green eyed monster takes over and you're just it, it turns into negativity. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Um. So my situation is a little bit different. Uh, I have heard a lot of 
of this type of behavior happening where one person's working to, you know, feed their family and it's a decision that they've made and someone else is calling state board on them. And, um, I, and I've had things happen to me in my business, maybe by, you know, things have been said by other founders of companies, um, because we're all competing in the same arena. And I just always, um, and you know what, let me back up a little bit. When I very first started and I was the, the new kid here in the space, um, I I had that same thing where I was threatened by everyone and anybody that wanted to be a part of my brand. I, it was, gosh, it was so intense for them. And looking back, you know, I, I was leading with fear. And I think that's what people are doing when they're calling and turning people into the state board is is they're fearful that that's their money that is being lost. And so they want someone else to lose money with them too. Misery loves company. And yeah. Yeah. You know, I wish I had better advice on, on how to prevent that from happening, but it's going to continue happening. And I think that uh, you just really have to ask yourself, and this has been a huge testament to me in my career is the words that you speak become the house that you live in. And the way that you treat people is the way that you will get treated back. And, you know, people think like, no, that's not true. This person's doing something wrong. I'm going to call state board. So actually I'm the hero. And it's like, well, what, what doesn't matter that they're working and you're not, you don't have to be the hero in this, like focus on yourself, put your time and energy into that. When you call state board, do you just feel thrilled with yourself? Do you feel like you actually did something good? Are you just starting drama, you know? And um, I, I, I have noticed in my life several times that when drama is eliminated, I am my happiness. I'm at my happiest point. So I think that's just something that sometimes we think we thrive off of a good juicy story or doing something that might hurt somebody so that, you know, that sometimes might be a little bit of a thrill for us. But when all is said and done, um, if you can eliminate that type of behavior and just live your life to live your life and not worry about other people are doing, you're going to live in a different arena of happiness. And I, I promise everyone that. And it, it, it's something that takes a while to train yourself to actually be happy for other people or to just look at the good in things and, and all of that. But it, it's like spring cleaning for your mental health and you do feel so much better and you feel so much more grounded. And I've seen, many more opportunities come to me because people realize that I'm not someone that likes to start drama. I'll admit when I'm wrong. Um, I, I like to validate people's feelings on things. I like to listen to people. It doesn't always mean that I'm going to not hurt somebody or cause I'm not, I'm trying my hardest to not be a people pleaser. Um, so you definitely want to be careful in going in this direction this isn't about people pleasing. This is just about doing what makes you feel your best and making the best decisions for you and not for anybody else and, and stop worrying about what other people are doing. And you're, you're going to find that that opens up new doors for you. So I, I would just, you know, if people are thinking about calling state boards on someone, just ask yourself why, what's the purpose? And is there something better you can be doing to spending your time right now than that? Right. And And I think that, you know, if you can channel that energy towards everything that you do, you're going to find yourself with a lot more positive opportunities. Yeah, I agree. Man, negativity breeds negativity. Yep. Okay, so remember, how long have you been in Borbaletta now? How many years has this been? 
Uh, it's been about seven years, just a, a little bit over actually, okay. no, seven years. Okay. I'm in, I just hit year one, uh, June 1st. So I am in the thick of it. It's like, you know, when you're like, just, you're like, I feel like I'm at the precipice of not coasting, but getting to the point where I'm like, I might not have to lash anymore. So I feel like I'm so close to that. I mean, you know, when you, you, you're like, okay, I could probably stop lashing, but you're scared. The fear of failure makes you like, okay, but what if it goes away? So I kind of am at that point where I'm like, do I stop? Okay. What if, what if sales go down? And then I'm, I'm like backed into a corner. So I'm kind of at that part where I'm like, I'm really excited to, to not have to lash to do it just for the love of it. Yeah. Uh, But I'm so scared to make that drop off decision because it's definitive. How far, how far into your journey of Borbaletta were you able to say like, that's it from this day moving forward, I'm only doing the client's lashes that make me happy. And it's like, you know, you have those clients whose lashes, they you can always get a great photo. They're always on time. They bring you a coffee. You know, those clients Yeah. where you're like, I just want to do one or two people a day. And I want to spend, I want to designate three hours to do cleanup or, or, you know, create a new shape. That's where I want to be. Just no, do it just for fun. When did you get to that point? Um, you know what? I, I made that decision pretty quick because I had been lashing for five years before I started Borboletta. Same. Okay. I'm the same. Yeah. And I loved it. And and just like you said, I absolutely loved my clients, you know, especially the ones that you named off that do all those amazing things for you. But, um, it was really hard. I was devastated the day that I knew, um, I needed to, to give all the focus to my business if I wanted it to go to the next level. But I think, uh, you know, you, everybody knows when it's that time, we just have a hard time letting go because change is scary. But again, if, if you're in that right mental space and you're like, there's no option for failure, um, be really upfront and honest with your clients and just let them know that this is your journey and that, you're going to definitely want to stay in touch with them. And if anything ever changes, you would love to have them again as a client. If that gives you a safety and security to know that they could always be there for you. I knew I could could rekindle my my client base again if I needed to, if Borboletta didn't work out for me. But it was so quick for me. I think I decided um, within three months of launching the website that I was basically going to go down to lashing one day a week. And then that lasted maybe another three months. And then it was just like, I've, I've got to give it my all at Borboletta. So it happened yeah. really fast. And I was just like you, every, I've had this question asked a lot actually. And people are like, how did you know when that time was right? I'm to be honest, you don't know. You just have to really decide how you want to spend your time and what's going to get you the furthest. And you just have to go for it. Yeah. And I knew that that's what I loved spending my time doing was working on Borboletta and um, not to say that I didn't love spending my time with my clients, but I found that I loved spending my time at Borboletta more than I was enjoying my time with my clients. And that's kind of when I was like, my clients deserve better than this. Like they need to be with somebody that loves, loves, loves what they're doing. And they, I was always in a rush to like, oh my gosh, I yeah. have all these customer service emails I have to get back to. And I have to get all these orders out today and I want to get on and start marketing and all this stuff. Right. So yeah, if my mind wasn't there for my clients, I just don't think that that's fair for them either. So 
Um, yeah, like I said, the decision happened really quick. And I think that's one thing as an entrepreneur, we, um, you have this huge visionary personality usually where the sky's the limit for you. And I think when you think of it that way, you're less worried about, oh, am I going to miss out on, on making this set income? It's just like, nope, it's blue sky out here. And the income I'm making today, I could double that in just like, you know, a few days of just working really, really hard at this. So I think you just don't be so dependent on the dollar amounts and things. I know money is a huge factor in why we have a business, right? It's not our why, but, um, the, the money will follow the passion. I promise that I've, I've seen it happen so many times in my life. So just make sure that if you really feel strongly that you love what you're doing and you, you have a good direction going, give it your all. So you, you think that when you, cause for me, I would say like, uh, you know, I do a lot of like uh, podcasts or self-help um, podcasts and books. And I have read so many times, don't have a backup plan. If you have a backup plan, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I feel like my clients there, it's my backup plan if my business doesn't work. So I'm maybe I'm just like dependent on my backup plan too much. Yeah. I, you know what? That's interesting. I actually haven't heard a lot about the backup plan, um, but I can see where that comes from. Um, and I think subconsciously, my backup plan was like, well, if Borboletta just tanks, then I know that I can go back and do lashes again. I'll have to rebuild a clientele. But yeah. I always know that I have that skill set. And I've built a clientele that was successful once I can do it again. So yeah, I, yeah if, if you want to use that as your backup plan, great. And we're also especially, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, you might fail at something. I've failed at several things within my business. There's been several things that I, I would go back and I wish that I could have done differently. They were great learning lessons. But I think that with all of that, you just have to really, you know, decide that, okay, if I do fail at this, at least I know that I'm not going to, I'm not going to be out on the streets, right? I know I, right. I have something I have a skill set that I can go back and do or or this this and that so I I almost but I I I guess for me it's hard to even think that way because that's just not the way that I that wasn't my thought process with my business I think in the back of my mind I was like I know lashes and so if I ever need to use lashes again um as a career I will but this is where I'm going and this is what I'm creating and nothing's going to stop me so when you opened Borboletta, how many lash companies were there? Not very many, huh? No, it was very small. There probably were just a handful of them, maybe like 10 or, or less well-known yeah. ones. Isn't that crazy to see how many little companies have popped up? I mean, myself included, I'm definitely thrown in that. But isn't that wild to see what, how everybody just jumps on board and wants to start their own mine and... It's very interesting. Yeah, it totally is. And I think that it's awesome. I think that it's great to see the industry growing. It shows that there's a lot of demand in our industry. And I learned so much from from, um, business owners in the space and um, seeing what they're doing. And I thrive off of seeing our industry become more and more successful. And I'm very confident in what I'm doing. And so I don't spend a lot of time comparing myself to competitors. I like to keep my finger on the pulse with things, but I'm really like, to me, I'm so focused on what Borboletta is 
and what we're doing that I almost don't really want to pay a lot of attention to what competitors are doing or, or what, what is, you know, what new competitor is coming into the space, so to speak, because they're on their journey and they're figuring out their own things. And so I just, I, I want to put all, all my mind power and everything I can into what I'm doing. Cause I never want it to look like, for example, you know, sometimes there's, there's something that a company is doing that's just awesome. And then pretty soon you see every other company that yeah. kind of starts their yep. own version of that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really like doing stuff like that. I don't like feeling like someone else's idea. Um, I turned into my own idea and I know that happens a lot in our industry and I'm not faulting anyone because I, I know it happens sure. a lot in every industry, but of course. I want everything that Borboletta puts out to be so authentically Borboletta that when you look at that, you're like, that is Borboletta. Like, totally. I, I know 100% like that came um, the vision of Borboletta and, and I can identify what that is. Um, so I just, I know that there's a ton of new brands in the space, but it, it gets me really excited to see that our industry is growing so much and to see all the opportunities that are there and um it still gets me excited that with all the newness, um, people still love Borboletta and that's exciting yeah. to me too. Yeah. The, uh, the town that I just moved to, there is, um, I think there's one salon that's a Borboletta salon. And I was like, Hey, I know her. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. So cool. Yeah. yeah you're everywhere. <laughs> that's really cool. Who is it? Um, oh God, you know what? I'll send you the link on Instagram. I cannot remember what I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue what the salon's called. I'll DM it to you. Okay. I can't remember what it's called. Cool. Yeah. It's a cute salon though. Super cute. Okay. So something that I, I hate talking about this, but it's just the deep, dark truth of how our emotions are and we don't have control over it. When you're in the thick of it, like I am, and you're, you're growing, you're doing well. And then it's like, you see other people and you're like, wait, how the hell did they do that? How? And for the most part, I'm pretty, um, neutral. I get, I get, it inspires me, but you know, every once in a while you just see, you get a little bit of like, what the heck, how come I can't do that? How do you move forward and be happy for somebody else when they're successful while you're kind of struggling? That's a really good question. I appreciate you asking this because I, I think it's a really normal human emotion for us to look at, oh, wow, they did this. Why can't I do this? It's, right. you know, I think that happened a lot, especially during the big lockdown back in March. Um, yeah. And so I think um, just leveling with your emotions on it instead of just getting kind of salty about it, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that they're doing this and picking it apart. Um, just look at it like, okay, it seems like I'm a little bit triggered by this. Why, what is upsetting me here? Okay. It seems like it's the fact that they're doing something really cool and I feel a little bit stuck right now. Um, that's, that's typically how people are feeling. And then it, it really, it's just like, what can I do to not feel so stuck? Where is my, um, what's blocking my creativity from getting this or what are some obstacles I need to overcome so that I can have something fresh and new like this out. And everybody has their moment, right? Um, And what I mean by that is we all 
uh, as business owners, we're all going to have a high where we're, where everybody else is admiring what we did. So just remember that, that everything is temporary, the highs yeah. of your success and the lows of your success. It's all temporary. Yep. Um, you know, it, uh, last year we launched our new aftercare line and a lot of people were talking about it in the industry and it was super exciting for us. And we rode that high for a while, but that those highs come and go. Right. And right, um, right. so I, I think you just have to really adapt to the fact that um, owning a business is it's a wave. And like I said, highs and lows to everything. And so when someone else is having a high, be supportive of them because you never know when your high is going to come and, yeah, and they'll be true. supportive of you. Um, and so I definitely identify what's frustrating you there. And then work really hard and, and open up your creativity and find out what is blocking you from being able to, to expand and find, find your motivation in that too. You know, like, wow, that's really cool what they did. I, where, where am I lacking and what cool things can I be doing? Because that seems really awesome what they did. And I would love to be able to do something that I get that much sat- satisfaction from, you know, so yeah. Totally. Um, I know there's not really a perfect answer to that, but I think everybody feels that. And I do love that question. And I, I really feel that um, you just have to look at things in a wave and, and you will have your time if you continue to work really hard at that. Yeah. Good advice. What do you think the best business decision that you've made to date would be? Uh, definitely just the way that we've hired at Borboletta. Um, I'm, I'm trying really hard. I think founders um, get, and myself included in this, you know, we get very ego, um, ego driven just by, oh, I'm the founder of this. I'm the person that created all this. I should be doing everything that I love doing. I should have my face all over our social media. I should um, be developing all the products and blah, 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 blah. Right. And um, you know, I, I definitely was that person for the first few years in my business and it drove people crazy and they had a really hard time working with me. And as I learned more about, um, owning a business and what my skill sets were, I started bringing in experts that first made me really nervous. Like, okay, if I bring in an expert, does that mean that they're going to find out that I'm not really the expert in this? And do I even have a place? Yeah. That was a huge worry of mine. And now looking back, um, that's where it's so powerful being the founder is you get to be the visionary of the brand and you can work alongside of whoever you decide to work alongside, but some of the most talented, amazing people and their skill sets, and you can learn so much from them and your brand becomes so much more powerful. And I, I see so many founders that struggle with this and I understand why, because I went through the same thing, but, um, my first big thing was bringing on a CEO. I, I loved having the title as CEO, but when I finally leveled with myself and said, Kim, you're not a CEO, you have no place with this title. You have no idea what that really even means. Yeah. Um, yeah. That eliminated so much stress for me and that opened up my eyes. And then same thing with just, um, you know, bringing in awesome people on our marketing team that I can collaborate with. And then our head of product development, because I used to do all the development at Borboletta. And then we brought in this amazing product developer. Um, she has taught me so much as well. And I realized that my brand and, and me as a founder, we 
we grow and we become better because of the people that we surround ourselves and work with, not because we get to be the ego driven person. That's like, look at everything I have done. Um, yeah. I I'm thrilled that I can say, look at this team that I've been able to, um, be a part of creating and, um, look at what we have been able to accomplish together. And, uh, that's been really cool. So I'm, I'm very proud of the, you know, the lessons that I learned early on to bring on people that are better than much, much better than I am. Um, so that I can learn from them and in turn, I can become better. When did you hire your first employee? Um, I hired first employee really early on. Um, I had an office manager and a personal assistant right when I started Borboletta. But when we really started to expand our team, that was about two years into the business, I would say. Um, that's when we started bringing on more like a salesperson, a head of marketing, a head of education, and then it just um, snowballed and grew from there. Do you remember how scary it was to hire your first employee? I, I, you know what? I definitely went in feet first with that one. And I just, I don't know if I was scared, but looking back, I should have been scared because I haven't always perfectly hired and I haven't been the perfect boss by any means. And so I definitely, I wasn't scared to hire people, but I'm actually, I get more scared to hire people now because I want to hire the right people because of past experiences that I've had. Right. Um, right. So I definitely try really hard to learn if something didn't work out with someone. I try to say, okay, what could I have done better in the hiring process? How did I treat this person? What could I have done better to make this person either excel or, or land on better terms? Um, I think that's one thing as when you are hiring people, you have to realize that you're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect for people to work for. People are always going to have um, things that they wish that you did differently. And really, I, I think the biggest thing is, is just figuring out how to communicate with people, how to work with people, how to validate them, and then how to let them go properly. Um, it's never a pretty experience, but there is better ways to do it than others. And sometimes you can land on your feet with, with getting those relationships um, just off in a good place. Do, is there a guideline that you go through when you're hiring somebody? Do you have like a checklist or a set of questions that you have people answers or something specific that you look out for? If they say this, this, or this, you definitely don't hire. Um, that's a really good question. So we, we do interviews at Borboletta in groups. It's not just one person interviews and makes the decision. Uh, so I'm involved in most of our uh, interviews and um we do look for somebody that will mesh with the team culturally that aligns with Borboletta's values. So someone that is talented and loves the work that they're going to be doing, but also is a really good team player. And it's hard to tell because everyone's on their best behavior in an interview, but I definitely look for somebody that I, I just go off of, okay, am I going to get a really good feeling around this person? Am I going to do not to say that, you know, I am hanging out with employees every single day. It's not like that. But um, culture fit wise, just like, is this person going to be a really good team player? Someone who's not going to start drama, somebody who is going to be open and adaptable. And because um, especially when a company is young and new, like ours is a startup company, essentially, you 
don't have a lot of processes and people can get frustrated really easy. So I definitely, and, and a lot of people on our team look for somebody that can be nimble and adaptable. And I do like somebody that's came from smaller companies sometimes because they know a little bit more how smaller companies work, but we also have hired from bigger companies too. Um, and we've had success from both and we've had failures from both. So I really, the hiring process, I think is 50% um, the skill set of some someone. And then it's 50%. How is that person going to mesh and work with your team? Yeah, man. Well, you know, the, the thing that I always worry about when we start thinking about hiring a team, I always am fearful that they're going to be dependent on making a living from my company and then it's going to fail. And I feel like I can't get past that. That is a really scary thought. And we definitely have had that. And, um, you know, I, I think that you, you obviously care so much about the people that are working alongside of you and working for your company, but they know what they're signing up for too. When they get there, they know that they're signing up to work at a small company. Yeah, and that's true. I, people always tend to, if, if something doesn't work out, if you know, for whatever reason, if you had to do layoffs or something, um, they will be able to find other jobs. I, I know that. And I've seen that. And it's yeah. horrible to think that you ever have to be responsible for anything like that. But people at huge companies get laid off all the time. So that's true. You're right. You know what? That's true. Yeah. So I, I think just like anything, when you're hiring people, there's always that risk, but there's that risk of going and working for anyone as well. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I, I know I'm going to have to take the plunge. It's going to happen. I'm just, <laughs> it's so scary to know that somebody's family is going to rely on you to make sure that their kids can eat. I know it, it is very, <laughs> very stressful, but just yeah. do your best and be as fair as possible. And again, just, you know, try really hard to have that mindset of failure is not an option. You yeah. will find yeah. that doors will open that you never even thought when you're looking at the world, like failure is no option. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope so. <laughs> um, okay. So let's say you had to change one thing in, in your decision-making in the past, what would it be? Uh, let's see. That's a lot of things. Um, number well, I would definitely change the way that I emotionally handled things in the very beginning. Yeah. And even it's something I have to work on every single day. Um, I, and from the very beginning, you know, I just wanted everyone to like me and yeah, yeah. just, you know, think that I just had the best personality and, and all this stuff. Right. And that I was just amazing to work for. And I think that when the rose colored glasses kind of came off a little bit and I had to really have some major self-awareness talks about myself, you know, with other people and get some feedback, I realized that I had a lot that I needed to work on. So I definitely would have just changed from the beginning that I, I would have tried to be more self-aware and how I was talking to people and how I was treating people and, um, just being more open to feedback. And then when I knew that things needed to, you know, when I knew things weren't right, or I knew, I knew things needed to move on, I, I wish that I would have just been a little bit more calm and handling those things. I think we let our emotions get the best of us sometimes. And like I said, I, it's something I have to work on every single day. But um, just 
you're going to see a lot of things in your business that hurt your feelings. Um, you're, you'll hear people say things behind your back that, right. That are devastating and you wish that they would have come to you and said them. But when you really start to look at your business, like this is a business and this is not a personal attack. These people are not my, my best friends that I hang out with on the weekend and I, I respect them and I, I appreciate all the work that they do here. But at the end of the day, we're working here to, to provide careers, not, um, we're not here to like party and be friends all day, you know? So when I started to look at it like that, and when these things were said about me, I was like, well, they're using, you know, things personal to express their emotions. And I made this decision because it was the best for my business and they may not like it, but I still know that I'm a good person. And I still know that I'm working on myself every single day. And I also know that I'm not sitting here saying bad things about them and um, I'm just moving on, you know, and, and it's really hard because it's nobody ever wants to hear bad things about themselves and you always want to go to your defense and say, I can't believe you said that. But some of the best advice I've ever been given from a mentor of mine was just completely separate who you are emotionally, um, personally, and in business. And yeah. Uh, that's helped me a lot to just realize that, um, yeah, like my, everything that I do in my business is not, um, so much of, you know, personal attacks or personal, personal decision. I'm just making the best business decision. So my business runs to the best capacity that it can. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a while, I think, to learn that. And I definitely wish I would have started learning that earlier on. Okay. I have one question as a company who ships orders, what happens when somebody says they didn't receive, let's say somebody orders a $500 order. Mm -hmm. They, you check tracking. It says that it was delivered, but they say they never received it. How do you handle that? Oh, that's so frustrating. Right. Um, we'll definitely do, we'll talk to the deliverer, um, as much as you can, you know, get in touch with whoever dropped off the package and they're, you can contact those. It, it does take a little bit of a, a little bit of a, I guess, investigation to figure that out. But as much as you can just talk to the person that, that delivered the package to see, you know, if they have any record that it was signed for or anything like that. And then I, I don't want to frustrate my customers. So um, a lot of times I'll just go ahead and resend out the order and then I'll just make a note in their account that just said like customer, um, we showed that it was delivered on our side. Customer said that it was not so that if it does happen again, um, I can just tell them like, you know what, this seems to be happening a lot with your packages. Is there a better address that we can send this to? And, you know, if, if this continues to happen, maybe, um, maybe we're not doing this process right, you know? So just being really, it is a touchy thing because you never want someone to feel like your customer, you know, you never want them to feel like you don't believe them. And, So just wording it in a way with them, like, hey, we've noticed this. And is there a better way that we can do this? So we we had, I want to say there was a month where we had like 10 people. I'm like, how is this 10 people in a month? How is that even possible? So we changed to our website. We changed it to they can pay an extra $3 for a signature confirmation. And what we what we had said was if you decide to forego signature um, delivery were not held liable. So you can pay $3 for it, or you can just 
you know, not hold us liable. But still, when somebody says they didn't get their package, it doesn't feel right. Yeah, that's a really frustrating one. I, you know, we like to keep really good client records with people. So I definitely um, would start just building that out in someone's profile of um, if, if they're def- if they're someone that says, Oh, I'm not receiving my package, just make notes of that and try to get different addresses to send it to. And, um, I, I think, you know, you do have to use your best judgment in that too. If, yeah, if you feel like for whatever reason that something's really off there and, and that you're not going to send out another package, that's, that's your decision. And that's not the right or wrong decision that that's, to tell anybody, right? Like that has to be made by you and your processes. Have you ever not sent somebody their package that they said they didn't receive? Uh, I'm not sure. So I haven't done our customer service for a while, but I know when I was a hundred percent over customer service, um, I always just would resend the package. Yeah. 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 Um, but now I think that we follow more of a process. Like, um, if like what I said, like if, we'll, we'll resend it one time, but then if, if it happens continually, we'll just work with the customer to find a different address and we just make really good notes in their profile. Yeah. Yeah. That's been, I mean, we don't have to, you know, it happens every so often. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I never knew how to deal with that. So, and it doesn't feel right not sending it because I think for myself, if I ordered something and didn't receive it, I would be so upset. I know. Yeah. And I, I've had that happen too for me and I've contacted people and um, we figured it out. So um, I, yeah, I think it's just all about using your best judgment. That's a really hard one. It is. It's so hard. Um, okay. And then the one last thing that I wanted to ask you, it was about fitness because obviously you're super fit. I know that you're into working out and I want to know kind of like more, it's a little personal, but do you think, I always have people ask like, how, how do people grow their, their, um, business on social? How do you do this? Do you think the cold, hard truth about being pretty and being fit, do you think that that helps grow your social media and business? Uh, that's, that's a great question that I have actually, no one's ever really brought that topic up. Um, I think what grows your social media more than anything is being authentic and being letting your personality come through. And I I mean that so genuinely because there's a lot of really beautiful fit people on this earth that um, can post all about themselves all day long and they don't have a big following. And they can pucker their lips all they want to and, you know, say this, this and that. But I think what really drives amazing followings, like cult followings to somebody Um, and continued growth is just how planned out their content is, how much they're putting into it authentically so that people are following someone that they really level with and that they enjoy following. So um, I, I have a hard time saying that if you look this certain way, you're going to grow a following. I think it's so much more than that. It's what what are you putting out there that people are gravitating to that they want to learn from you? And I think that that's a lot of what social media is, is it's all of these people's lives that we can learn from and it's all how you put it out there and it's how well you engage with people and 
again, just how authentic you are, because people can see right through someone who is unauthentic. And and you run your social media. Do you feel like that has a huge, um, do you think that running it yourself makes a big difference? I do. Yes. Because you are going to, if somebody else is running it for you, then how are you, how are you being authentic there? Um, I don't run Borboletta's social media. We have a, a social media team that does that, but I'm definitely very active on, on Borboletta's social media. Like I try to respond to clients and be as yeah. involved as I can, but my personal social media, yes, um, I'll collaborate with our team on content and planning stuff like that. But I'm, I am the person behind Kimber Jane's. I respond to yeah. everybody. Um, I, I put the content up there. I, I, try as hard as I can to write the captions. Um, sometimes I'll collaborate and ask the team, like, does this sound good? Would you write something different? So um, I will do stuff like that. But I I think that we really have to, to just be very honest on our social medias and not try to be someone that we're not and be transparent about our journeys and try to help people. And people will gravitate and follow you because of because of that. Um, I think that's very important. Do you feel like being, uh, do you feel like relatability helps as well? Oh, a hundred percent. If you know, you want to be aspirational, but obtainable, you you want to be someone. And I say, you want to be, this is the type of people that I admire and follow and look up to are people that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I I would want to sit down and have coffee with her. But also like, I want to learn from her as well. Like, um, Jen Atkins to me is, is that person where she's so relatable and so cool, but she's so, um, aspirational and just, it's amazing to see what she's done, but she's like so cool and down to earth. And I do think that that's very important. Like if you're so intimidating, what is that even doing for, for someone? Do you want to be around people that intimidate you all day long? I don't know. I yeah, I, I want to be around people that I can learn from and have a real conversation with. But that's true. You, how you said it's obtainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. Okay, so is there any ending or final farewell advice that you'd like to give people? Maybe something that a hard lesson that you learned, maybe that somebody told you and you didn't take the advice or something if there's one thing that helps you either as a person or owning a business, what would that be? I think right now people just need to hear that uh, what you're feeling, everybody else is feeling. And, and I, you know, not to say that all of our experiences are the same because they're not, but we are in just such a weird time right now. The pandemic has been hard on everybody and people are feeling creatively depleted and mentally and and physically depleted as well. Um, Some people are better at hiding that or masking it than others, but I think it's just validating to level with people and say what you're feeling is, is really true. It's real. And it's being felt by a lot of people. Um, So I, I do think that everyone needs to hear that, um, keep going as much as you can keep pushing through. We need people to be um, strong and, and continue to come together to get through this, this, I don't want to say awful time, but 
this very different time. Um, yeah. And we need to be kind and understanding with each other as much as possible as well. And um, I, I do think we are going to get through this in our industry, but we just need to have all the positivity that we can right now and realize that everyone's kind of feeling feeling this heaviness and weight of the world right now. Yeah. And, you know, I went through the 2006 um, fiasco where everybody lost their homes. And the thing that I realized, and now going through a second wave of financial uh, questioning, I guess, and just not knowing what's going to happen, mm-hmm. the beauty industry always makes it. And it's it's like when, if you want to make it, you can make it. You know how to survive and you know how to be successful in this business. And if you're not, if you don't do what you need to do to make a successful business, it's not going to work. So sometimes you have to do things that maybe they're telling you you're not allowed to do because the the truth of this is, I feel like the people who didn't listen and follow 100% of the rules are the people that are going to make it out. And that's kind of unfair, but yeah, like I, I, I think you really, um, hit it on the head there that we are very resilient in this industry and we are scrappy probably yeah. more so than other industries. Yeah. And I, I really think, you know, you know what is best for you and nobody else can tell you what that is. So you just need to make that decision for yourself. Yeah. Amen. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And I know we had to do a couple reschedules, but I am so grateful for your time. I'm so grateful for all of your wisdom, your words, your encouragement. And I'm sure everybody is going to learn so much from this. And I think a lot of people are excited to hear what you have to say. Thank you. I appreciate so much the opportunity. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to send you that, um, the name of the, um, the lash salon here so that you know who is one a borboletta salon oh yeah that'd be awesome thank you okay you're welcome have a wonderful wednesday you too thanks again bye Bye. thank you